Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Shocking video of a police officer posing next to a body. That's a deceased person. How VPD is reacting to the backlash. Violent shoplifters. We really want them to know that we're watching and that we're not going to let them get away with everything. The employees putting themselves at risk, stepping in to stop it. And with spring break coming up, what Dr. Henry says about a break from COVID restrictions. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with a Global News exclusive. An investigation has been launched into the conduct of some members of the Vancouver Police Department and the officer's status with the force is being re- uh, reviewed. A passerby captured them on camera as they attended the scene of a body found on Third Beach. That witness has come forward to describe what happened and John Waugh has the story. It was a shocking discovery on Vancouver's Third Beach Wednesday morning. What is that? But the behavior caught on camera afterwards, perhaps just as disturbing. The cop's taking a picture and he's joking around. A Vancouver police officer seemingly posing for pictures. Is that a person? Meters from where a dead body was found. That's a deceased person? That's what initially got my attention, was seeing these guys laughing and kind of joking about it and seeing the body right there. The actions of police compelled Zachary Ratcliffe to record it on his smartphone. While the death was not believed to be suspicious, there are still questions about the lack of dignity shown at the scene of an obvious tragedy. What if you were the mother of that that person, you know, or the father? And I just felt for the person on the beach... And their family. In response to Global News's questions about the video, the VPD has sent it over to the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner. Adding in a statement, there will be a Police Act investigation into the conduct of the officers in the video. The status of the officers is also under review. VPD does not condone and strictly prohibits officers taking photographs without an authorized purpose. It's not the only time the questionable actions of Vancouver police have recently been caught on camera. Oh, we got a VPD pulling hair. This video showing an officer pulling someone by their hair at an anti-pipeline protest over the weekend. That incident is being reviewed by the VPD's Professional Standards Committee. It uh, disturbed me that there wasn't more of a professionalism uh, displayed by the police. Um, I, I feel the, the, the police have an, a, tr- a tremendously difficult job to do. And they, don't, they do themselves a disservice. More than 24 hours later, Ratcliffe says seeing a body on the beach has left him shaken. But witnessing the conduct of those called in to watch over the remains of another human being, making it so much worse. John Hua, Global News. The B.C. Court of Appeal has released most of the reasons for judgment in the latest ruling in the Surrey Six murder trials of Cody Havisher and Matthew Johnston. The appeal court judges ruled the trial judge made a mistake by not hearing all the evidence regarding allegations of egregious police misconduct 
and the treatment of the two men while in pretrial custody. In 2014, Havisher and Johnson were both convicted of six counts of first-degree murder for the 2007 killings and were sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 25 years. The mother of one of the two innocent victims worries this decision opens the door for the killers to potentially have the charges thrown out. Oh my God, if they walk, I think that the entire court system will then need to be overhauled because there's no way that you can walk into people's homes and steal their children's life and expect to walk free. The B.C. Prosecution Service is reviewing the appeal court's decision. No date has been set for a hearing. Caught on video, another example of violent shoplifting in Vancouver just days after police arrested 130 people in a crackdown on the growing problem. As Jordan Armstrong reports, this latest incident sent two employees of an IGA store to hospital. We're trying to recover the coffee from inside of his jacket, and uh, the individual starts punching, which starts a bit of a fistfight at the front of the store. A full-on rumble involving store security, the manager, and the shoplifting suspect. They get him outside, but he comes back in. More blows are exchanged. A security guard is punched in the face. Then a customer helps staff tackle the suspect. Every night there's an instance. <laughs> it's not one night or another night, it's every single night. Monday's melee was particularly violent. Both the manager and the security guard were taken to hospital. The owner of IGA on Robson says they catch or deter at least 10 shoplifters every night. We've had our grocery store manager assaulted. We've had our store manager chased around with a syringe. We've had numerous knives pulled. I've had a knife pulled on me. Uh, police batons, bear spray, you name it, it's, uh, it's the Wild West in the evening here. Police don't disagree. It is the norm, especially for, for store owners downtown, and it is shocking to see uh, or to have patrons, um, store staff, LPOs being spat on, uh, assaulted, punched, kicked. Earlier this month, VPD wrapped a four-week initiative. Project Arrow resulted in 130 arrests and 268 criminal charges recommended to Crown. I'm appreciative of the, the police's efforts to try to deal with this, but it isn't a policing issue. It's a broader it's a broader issue, and uh, the violence is a symptom of these issues. The accused in this incident has a long criminal resume. Jeremy Thayer is charged with robbery. He was released the morning after his arrest. Essential frontline workers, tired of feeling under siege, tired of feeling unsafe. They're already nervous coming to work during the pandemic. Uh, this is just not what they needed at all. Um, it's a really unfortunate situation that they've got to deal with uh, two crises at the same time. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Dr. Bonnie Henry is defending herself tonight as the fallout continues over her comments about the RCMP. The provincial health officer sparked a firestorm by telling a legislative committee that the Mounties aren't as effective as municipal police in dealing with people with mental health issues and addictions. Erin MacArthur has the latest. Thank you very much and good afternoon. Taking time away from the pandemic, Dr. Bonnie Henry forced to backtrack on comments she made to a legislative committee earlier in the week, suggesting the RCMP was less well-equipped than municipal police forces to handle the complexity surrounding policing in British Columbia. And there was absolutely no criticism at all of uh, anything that frontline police officers were doing, and the misinterpretation of that um, is something that I regret. 
a seemingly different take than the comments she made Monday. The RCMP, uh, which are very driven by policies from Ottawa, refused to allow officers to carry naloxone. The union representing RCMP members taking exception to those comments. A letter was addressed to both the provincial health officer and the health minister. The membership of the RCMP have done extremely well uh, with the added mandate that they've been provided. The mandate keeps growing year to year. The commanding officer of E-Division... Deputy Commissioner Jennifer Strachan has had conversations with Bonnie Henry on this issue and says in a statement, we have a shared responsibility to look at ways to prevent or reduce the devastating losses intersecting health and policing in this province, and we are committed to supporting our communities in this important area. The Police Act didn't contemplate some of the complex social issues that um, that police are facing every day on the front lines. A more responsive police force, one of the primary reasons Surrey has pushed ahead with ditching the RCMP. But according to police critics, it doesn't matter what badge officers wear. Police are not health workers. They are not trained to be health workers. And on top of that, there is a outstanding history of um, harmful relationships between police and communities. Both the RCMP and National Police Federation have yet to present before the special committee. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Now let's take a look at the latest COVID-19 numbers for our province. We have 395 new cases, bringing BC's total to 78,673. And 10 additional deaths, which means we've now lost 1,348 people to complications of the virus. 228 people are in hospital, 62 of them in the ICU. 72,781 are considered recovered, and that leaves us with 4,489 active cases and 7,931 in self-isolation. On the vaccine front, B.C. has now administered 239,833 doses of the COVID-19 vaccines. 68,157 of those are second doses. Well, spring break is coming up, and while a trip to Disneyland or Mexico was never going to be in the cards, not this year anyway, the stubbornly high COVID case numbers has Dr. Bonnie Henry pushing a simple and familiar message for families. Stay local. Richard Zuspin reports. Ski trips. Amusement park rides. Cabin with friends. The typical March break. Not on this year. Think small, think local. There was some hope from Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry that interprovincial travel could be on come March, but the hope is fading. This is why, on February 9th, two weeks ago, there was a rolling seven-day average of 480 new COVID-19 cases a day. That dropped dramatically to 396 on February 16th, but this week, just a few days ago, the average up to 512.9 new COVID cases a day. We are continuing to watch these indicators. And when we have confidence that they are slowing in a sustained way, that is when we'll be able to ease restrictions. But we are not quite there yet. Then there's the positivity rate. Province-wide, a steady climb up from 6.2% two weeks ago to 6.8% now. And in Fraser Health, even higher up from 7% two weeks ago to 8.1% now. We are looking ahead into March 
to make sure we know when we can increase our social interactions. Another factor, the reproductive rate, which is now over one in BC, which means for every case of COVID-19, it is passed on to more than one person. That's a recipe for exponential growth. Those here on southern Vancouver Island consigned that this March break will be different. I doubt that very many people will travel, but you never know. I have a sailboat I'd like to take down south, but that's not possible because I have to, uh, I'd have to quarantine coming back. The province promising more specifics on spring break in the coming weeks. We are working on some um, strategies for helping uh, make March break a special occasion for, for young people. It will also be an historic occasion. March break set to mark one year since the province declared a provincial state of emergency linked to COVID-19. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Ongoing threats against Dr. Henry, including video recently posted by conspiracy theorists making hateful comments towards the doctor, prompted a question to her today about how she's handling the personal attacks. It really is not acceptable, and what um, I find most disturbing is how it impacts the people I work with and my family and my uh, close contacts and their concerns. So um, that's the most challenging piece right now. Health Minister Adrian Dix also condemns the behaviour and says we need to have a more respectful debate. Now to one of the most disturbing incidents yet, a violence sparked by a dispute over physical distancing. An Nanaimo man attacked and stabbed in front of his family after his daughter asked another man to keep his distance. Kylie Stanton has the exclusive details from the victim. That's the worst one. One in the ribs, another two on the back. I bled all night and finally stopped bleeding this morning, actually. These injuries, a result of an altercation over social distancing. We were beside the car talking to our kids and a guy came by and pushed my daughter into her car. So I just said, sir, six feet, social distancing, like it's the law. And he gave me the finger and swore at me and my father didn't like that. Yeah, it happened like right there. Kurt Lachette approached the man, but before he could say much, he was struck in the head with a metal coffee mug. Then a fight ensued. My son-in-law jumped in and then my, my daughter and I were kicking him, trying to get him off my husband. And then all of a sudden, my dad was up yelling he had been stabbed. Blood's right there. Several witnesses called 911 and police quickly arrived on scene. While the knife that was used was recovered, the suspect had fled, running through Nanaimo's Port Place Mall. But he disappeared. We don't know where he went after that. It turns out he headed straight for the Gabriola Ferry Terminal, making the trip to the small island off Nanaimo. An hour later, officers received a tip, and the suspect was arrested at his home without incident. He was transported to Nanaimo, and he was arrested for assault with a weapon. He's got a court date pending in May of this year. Lachette was taken to hospital and treated for his injuries. Doctors telling him one of the stab wounds was dangerously close to his lung. Oh, he said, go buy a lottery ticket because you're a lucky boy tonight. He said, if that would have went any deeper, you'd have been in the hospital for sure. Now the family is trying to take time to reflect on the ordeal. Yeah, I could have stayed back. I could have not said anything at all. And while they know the social distancing protocols are meant to keep everyone safe, after this, it's tough not to feel a little shaken. My grandkids got, had to see it. Had to they're, see it, yeah. seen the whole thing. and they, uh, Papa got stabbed. Am I going to get stabbed too? And that just breaks the guy's heart. Kylie Stanton, Global News. It's returned to sender for thousands of Canadians. Because of the pandemic, 
Their parcels are stuck in U.S. mailboxes right across the border. Why they might never see the goods they ordered online. Next on the News Hour. A ruling that proves you can't be sued if someone slips on your sidewalk, but why you should shovel it anyway. Coming up on the News Hour. Also, too chicken to go sledding? Well, do what this little girl did and take a chicken with you. <laughs> it's all so weird. Coming up later. <laughs> Well, I'm going to tune in for that one. <laughs> right now, though, it is one of the many quirky impacts of the ongoing pandemic. Many Canadians who rent postal boxes in the U.S. haven't been able to access that mail due to the border closure. So nearly a year after the travel ban, the U.S. Postal Service has put Canadians on notice to try to clear the overflow by mid-March. Ted Chernecki reports. Neither sleet nor hail can stop the mail, but COVID certainly can. At the hundreds of U.S. mailbox companies along the Canadian border, boxes are piling up. This was the scene at TBS Shipping in Point Roberts in August, and it's still like this. So it, it's an issue. We are just unable to be a warehouse. And now the U.S. Postal Service is wanting to clear out any of its P.O. boxes that are overflowing due to Canadians being unable to cross the border. We sent a notice to all of our Canadian customers saying, just in case you are in overflow capacity, here's what you need to do. The notice went out on February 12th and it gave them 30 business days to respond. If you have not claimed your overflow mail, it will be returned to the sender as unclaimed. Meanwhile, business is booming at Abbotsford's Letterlock Warehouse. We have had to hire more people, yeah, and we've had to streamline and expedite a, a, a bunch of our different processes. Learn a lot really quickly as far as like how to uh, make that process more efficient. Before COVID, they dealt mostly with larger corporate imports. But now as Canadians scramble to retrieve parcels from both private mailbox companies across the border and even the U.S. Postal Service, personal imports are up dramatically. We have uh, over 150 um, P.O. boxes now and our staff is checking once a week. We'll empty your mailbox and uh, and then... Yeah, they, we have a system now and then we'll um, bring that across the border and then that'll be available for you in our, uh, in our office there in Abbotsford. As a commercial hauler, Letterlock is deemed an essential service and can cross the line without having to quarantine. But of course there are fees which might negate any savings customers were hoping to see by having their purchases shipped to a U.S. destination for pickup. Ted Chernaki, Global News. Still ahead, the upcoming rush to get a camping reservation. It's difficult for people to stay local, and we're just trying to get something within the province of British Columbia. Will the honor system work to preserve spots for B.C. residents first? And a sign of what's to come in countries already starting to reopen. What's fueling the optimism? Traffic is steady here in both directions tonight at the Patello Bridge with just some pockets of volume southbound down McBride through the Queen's Park stretch in New West. Is buying a home still possible? A CIBC mortgage advisor will show you how to make your ambition real. Plus, get up to $3,000 cash back. Conditions apply. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge. Well, we're about 10 days away from reopening the BC Park system for campsite reservations, and there are concerns the lure of the great outdoors will be too tempting for visitors from across Canada willing to ignore COVID restrictions. As Catherine Urquhart reports, the only safeguard to weed out non-BC residents making an online reservation is an honor system. 
Like many British Columbians, Angela Massey and Mike Babor can't wait for camping season to start. We are avid you know, family campers. We camp with our friends. As of March 8th, they'll be able to book provincial campsites two months in advance of their arrival date. British Columbians are supposed to get priority access. I, I do believe that it should, there should be some preferential to BC residents right now. But critics say there's no way to verify BC addresses. So it's an honor system. It doesn't make sense to me on saying, okay, you know, prove your residency by pressing this button, but you don't have to bother putting your address in there like that. Don't worry about that. BC's environment minister is defending the Discover Camping website, saying it couldn't be modified. So the first thing we did was to look at our application, which we're contracted uh, to and is in place for a number of years to see if it was possible to screen by address. And unfortunately, we discovered it wasn't. Another frustration, last year many people booked multiple campsites, which resulted in some sites being half empty. They say that it's 100% booked, it's 100% full, yet it looks like it's 50% empty. Maybe the weather's not that great. Um, people just cancel their reservations or don't use their reservations. As for the booking site being overwhelmed, server capacity has been added. Angela and Mike are hopeful that will pay off as they go online in the coming days to plan their next camping adventures. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, last night it was a snow warning. Tonight there is a wind warning and we could see power outages and ferry delays. Senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with the details on this one. Christy. Thanks, so. So a strong northwest flow will develop overnight. We've got wind warnings in place for the west coast of Vancouver Island. Gusts up to 100 kilometers an hour. But greater Victoria, southern Gulf Islands, and the western sections of Metro Vancouver gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour. Now, the timing of this will be the strongest winds on the outer coast and even touching down into Victoria through the overnight period. Then the winds will pick up on the inner coast, so the Strait of Georgia and including Metro Vancouver through the morning hours. That's when we could see some delays in the ferries and power outages for Metro Vancouver. Now, we are expecting the wind gusts to continue throughout the day on, on Friday across Metro Vancouver, although the strongest winds will be in the morning. When I come back, though, I'm going to highlight which parts of Metro Vancouver will see the strongest winds. All right. Thanks, Christy. Also coming up, confirming the safety of the COVID vaccines. We actually look at people who have been vaccinated and compare that to people who haven't been vaccinated. Local researchers trying to recruit volunteers for the first study of its kind. But first, the surprising result of a lawsuit filed after someone slipped on an icy sidewalk. I think there are some questions that need to be answered here. This was a high-risk, high-reward strategy. So we wanted to set the record straight. How do you grow as a human being if you're not going to open your ears and listen? Traffic is moving well in both directions tonight over here at the Massey Tunnel. Keep in mind, though, that overnight maintenance causes delays and lane closures in both directions between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Is buying a home still possible? A CIBC mortgage advisor will show you how to make your ambition real, plus get up to $3,000 cash back. Conditions apply. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. There is growing optimism that the worst of the global pandemic might be behind us. Vaccine distribution is ramping up, and in some countries, there's evidence life is not only returning to normal, but with care, future lockdowns can be averted. Global's Eric Sorensen reports. Israel, a sign of what lies ahead. 
Most Israelis have now been vaccinated. Shopping has opened up. Even live theater is back for those immunized. And swimming pools are full of people again. It's a magical feeling to back to swim. Worldwide, there is reason for optimism. Per capita globally, COVID-19 case numbers peaked in January and have fallen by about half in just the last six weeks. In Canada, a similar trajectory over the last year. The U.S., the U.K. and Israel saw their worst numbers of the pandemic six weeks ago and are now seeing a very steep drop-off. And in those three countries, vaccines may be making a difference. Studies in the U.K. and Israel show a drop in infections and hospitalizations after immunizations. In the groups that have been vaccinated, their cases are dropping much quicker than if they haven't been vaccinated. So clearly... On a small scale, in most places, vaccine is having a role. Vaccines add to many factors, gradually forcing the pandemic into submission, including lockdowns and individual habits like distancing and masks. Drugs and other treatments have reduced the severity. And population immunity, those who've had the virus and increasingly those who've been vaccinated. So we know that we're going to have sufficient vaccine by the middle of this year. So we're going to be done with this to a large extent by the end of the year. But what about the new COVID variants? They are bound to create a surge in cases in the weeks ahead, in this country and others. But experts believe vaccines will still make a big difference. Even with variants, we've seen that all of the vaccines are very good at decreasing severe illness and death. That is a huge win on a public health level and is still one of our tickets out of the pandemic. Israel got a head start on vaccinations, but it's a sign for other countries of what's to come. The life coming back. (laughs) What can I say? And as more nations get vaccinated, what may spread now is optimism. Eric Sorensen, Global News, Toronto. Well, as the world continues to vaccinate against COVID-19, BC Children's Hospital researchers are looking for volunteers for a major national study. They'll be looking into any potential adverse effects of the vaccines in thousands of people who take it. Linda Aylesworth has the details and how you can be a part of it before you get the shot. All vaccines undergo multiple tests before they're approved, but the very first before they even know if it's effective is if it's safe. Even when you enroll, you know, thousands and thousands of volunteers as they've done for the clinical trials, you're not able to pick up, you know, events that might occur in one in a million. Which is why now that COVID-19 vaccines are being rolled out, a national study is underway to determine what possible adverse effects they might cause. But researchers like Dr. Julie Bettinger at BC Children's Hospital need the help of both those who are vaccinated and those who are not. We really need people who are not yet vaccinated to take our survey. And we will absolutely use this information then to monitor the safety of our COVID vaccines. Those who have yet to be vaccinated can register with the online survey at canvas-covid.ca. You'll be sent a second survey in about a month, and you'll be sent a third survey in about six months or um, up to the point that you're vaccinated. Unvaccinated participants will serve as a control group and be compared with participants who have been vaccinated. It's critical that we have a control group because just because something happens after someone has been vaccinated does not mean that the vaccine caused that event. They need 50,000 unvaccinated participants and 400,000 vaccinated participants for each vaccine product used in Canada. There are similar studies underway in the world, but none quite like this. The control group is really unique and it really gives us a lot of ability 
to look at what's happening in the vaccinated group and understand it better. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. And still ahead, was it a close encounter in the sky? We just had something go right over the top of us. What American airline pilots say they saw over New Mexico, even if no one else did. And in sports, Jake Vertanen, a player with so much potential, and what he has to do to unlock it. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, you wouldn't know it if you slept in today, but people in parts of Metro Vancouver started the day with a reminder that winter is not quite done here yet. Nope. Early this morning, uncleared roads and slick conditions on the Portman Bridge. It made driving hazardous. Several crashes stalled Highway 1 as motorists navigated those slippery conditions before plows finally started to show up around 5 a.m., Streets in some areas not much better with thick, heavy, wet snow that made it pretty hard to maneuver. It's kind of nice when everything is all white and, you know, but it won't last long. I think it's refreshing. It's a chance to go out. I finished my driveway, cleared it all up. After I finished speaking with you, I'm going to go for my uh, five-mile walk. <laughs> That's the winter energy we all need. And while the snow didn't cover the entire metro area, roads were slick and likely contributed to this accident, a semi in a ditch in Langley along Highway 1B and Glover. Well, today's snowfall in parts of the south coast is a reminder that many municipalities have bylaws about clearing snow from the sidewalks with fines if you don't do it quickly. But if you happen to slip and fall, you might be surprised to know there is little you could do from a legal standpoint. Now that two courts have ruled on the matter, Paul Johnson reports. Suing over a slip and fall may be as old as English common law itself. But if you've been battered by a bone-jarring wipeout on someone's unshoveled sidewalk and you're thinking of lawyering up, you might think again. Oh. This case dates to a snowy spell in December 2017 in Burnaby, when an elderly man was walking home from a grocery store and slipped on black ice on a residential sidewalk. He hit his head and was badly injured. Feeling he had a legal case, he sued the homeowner responsible for clearing that sidewalk. He lost the case and appealed. Thursday, Global News learned the three judges who heard the appeal have now ruled against him once more, most certainly putting an end to this legal venture and setting a precedent Canadians ought to pay attention to. In their summary, Justice Butler wrote that residential property owners do not owe a general duty of care to take reasonable care with respect to the removal of snow and ice from sidewalks adjacent to their property. So while this means you can't sue the pants off your neighbor if you fall on his snowy sidewalk, it doesn't mean property owners are exempt from responsibility. But that's enforced by the municipalities through bylaws and their power to issue tickets and fines. In BC's lower mainland, where severe and snowy winters are not a regular thing, there's often confusion about who's supposed to shovel the sidewalks and when. While that's likely to continue, this ruling makes it clear. Punishment for snow shoveling negligence is meant to come from City Hall, not from a personal injury case in the civil courts. 
Paul Johnson, Global News. Well, it's good exercise for one thing. That's right. I was and, out there shoveling slush. And it's courtesy. Yes. It's courtesy to do it. So just do it. That's right. Yours, <laughs> yours and two more if you can. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here's Christy with a look ahead. And it disappeared pretty quickly today, didn't it? It sure did. In some areas, I mean, we still saw some snow in upper elevation regions like West Plateau, even into the afternoon hours. But this was the scene down by the water. And look, the daffodils are out, which is incredible. It's this area here, though, that's going to get blasted by the wind. So, again, picking up overnight, western sections of Vancouver Island, getting it overnight, and then shifting into the inland regions as we head into the morning hours. So, power outages are possible. Ferry delays are possible. This is at 7 a.m. Now, for Metro Vancouver, hardest hit regions will be along the water from West Vancouver right down through Vancouver, Delta to Wasson, and then over towards White Rock. But although we're going to see the strongest winds in the morning, I am still expecting gusty winds even into the afternoon hours and more widespread across Metro Vancouver. So it will be a blustery day all day, in my opinion, on Friday. Now, here's that northwest flow clearing the sky, so at least we'll see some sunshine. But inland regions, pockets of heavy snow, and that includes the mountain passes overnight tonight and through much of the day tomorrow. So instability still in the uh, forecast for the inland regions. So as you're driving along, travel alert, by the way, because you might be driving and be nothing on the roads. And then all of a sudden, a downpour of snow. So snowfall warnings in place still for the Coquihalla, Hope to Princeton, Kootenai Pass and Rogers Pass. And then everything clears out on Saturday. Saturday not looking too bad. So Friday, a blustery one with that strong northwest flow across all parts of the province, not only to the south coast, although we're the only ones under the wind warning, but we we are going to see those strong northwest winds across the region. So sunshine tomorrow, which will be nice. We'll see sun in the morning on Saturday and then increasing cloud periods of rain late in the day on Saturday. And tonight, central windows, weather window for you. A beautiful shot uh, looking out from Port Alberni with the blue sky that we saw today. And you can see some snowfall that they saw there as well. What a beautiful shot. Thanks, Christy. Mm-hmm. All right. If you've never seen a chicken on a sled before, that is about to change. Chicken. Oh my goodness, you need some friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. That's four-year-old Lennon Poole taking her beloved chicken, Chicky Boo, down uh, the hill on this ride at their family home outside Saskatoon. Lennon's mom, Tanil, says she was glad she caught the moment on camera. And she's been getting plenty of comments on the video and messages on Facebook asking about the adorable pair. She says Lennon loves to spend time with all their chickens, but Chicky Boo is a favorite. She took her hen and she set her down on the saucer and the hen just sat there. So she's pushing her up the hill and the hen just sat there. And the next thing I know, Lennon crawls on with her and down they come. Tanil says her daughter is always extremely gentle with their animals. In the past, she has staged birthday parties for the farm's dogs and tea parties with her pony. Very, very sweet. Oh, my goodness. I foresee a Disney movie coming. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, sorry, Squire. What was that? What's that? Big game coming tonight? Oh, yes, there is. Uh, Oilers and Canucks again. You know, I feel feel bad for Jake Vertanen. Abbotsford boy, good guy, good family. Everybody likes him. But once again, our seemingly monthly edition of What Up With Jake? Sometimes it's a good edition, sometimes not so good. Obviously, I've had a slow start, but, um, you know, my confidence is building. Canuck fans have a lot of beers ready for shotgunning, but Jake hasn't provided enough to get those beers drank. 
<laughs> Grammar aside, I know what you mean. Drunk. Drunk. Wow. <laughs> okay. Also later, U.S. pilots describe a UFO sighting that sounds like a near miss. Okay, English teachers, tweet <laughs> Help us. us out. Help the us out. The beers have not been drank or the beers have not been drunk? We think it's drunk. I'm beginning to think now it's drunk. I don't know why I was thinking drank. I must have or been drunk. Or are we just <laughs> drunk? <laughs> You're not. I'm not. No, I'm not. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I think I'm not. Uh, I actually am thinking the Canucks strategy tonight against the Oilers should be just keep building a big lead until one of those big leagues works. If not four goals, go for five. If not five, go for six until you find the right one. Because as we saw on Tuesday, a three-goal lead is rather unsafe. That's where Demko will play again for the Canucks. Mike Smith goes again for the Oilers. He actually hasn't lost this season. You would think Mike Smith is overdue to lose a game. But even a bad night from him, and actually the other night he wasn't that good in the first period, can get covered up by the guy over my shoulder, Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. The Canucks are likely going to make a switch on the blue line this evening. Barry has more from Rogers Arena. Obviously, I've had a slow start, but, um, you know, my confidence is building. Time running down, and that will do it for the middle frame. Oilers, a couple of... Now sends one towards... Goal tipped in! Deflected in front, and the Canucks have solved Jacob Markstrom. Okay. Vertanen throwing it on goal. All that stuff about drank and drunk, and then that came up. We have no idea what just happened there, but I'll tell you more about the Canucks in a minute. Anyway, Dominique Ducharme, of course, is now the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Joel Armia gets a goal to make it 1-0 for the Habs, and he'll get another one. So it looks like the coaching change has gone pretty well for Montreal so far in Winnipeg. In fact, this is another nice goal by the Habs. Kakaniemi to Tatar, and it's 3-1. Then Winnipeg starts rolling. They make it 3-2, and then Blake Wheeler makes it 3-3, and that's uh, the way it is the last time we checked in the second period. So Ducharme's first goal of Montreal, he's even late in the second period. Here is a weird goal tonight on David Riddich and Calgary taking on the Ottawa Senators. Eric Branson from a long way away, well, outside the blue line. That makes it 4-1. It was a rough night for Riddich. He was better against the Maple Leafs than he was against the Senators. He gets pulled from the game, and watch what he does. He headbutts the stadium. Good thing he's wearing his mask. 6-1, the final for Ottawa over Calgary. So that's good news for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, as, I'll, I'll say one thing about the Canucks. It looks like Hannafin is uh, going to play tonight. Oh, wait, Hamannick is going to play tonight for the uh, Canucks. And we talked about Jake. Unfortunately, the story blew up on us, but uh, hopefully Jake doesn't blow up tonight and he plays better than he has lately. All right. Uh, Russell Wilson's agent uh, gave us a mixed message today. First, he said, despite rumors that surfaced yesterday, Russell Wilson doesn't want to leave the Seahawks and play somewhere else. But then he said he would agree to be traded to either the Dallas Cowboys, New Orleans Saints, Las Vegas Raiders, or Chicago Bears. It's kind of like telling your significant other, I don't want our relationship to end, unless, of course, certain people ask me out. Wilson is not happy with the Seahawks' run-first offensive ideas and being hit and sacked as much as he is. And he does get sacked and hit a lot. And the Seahawks don't have a good offensive line, but actually, it's not the worst in the NFL. In the year the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, 
They had the highest paid offensive line in football, and Wilson was still sacked 44 times, only three times less than this past year, showing that sometimes he can scramble into trouble. It's not always the blocking, but because his salary is almost one-fifth of the Seahawks' budget, having an expensive offensive line again in Seattle isn't likely. All right, some golf. The uh, WGC Workday Round 1 from Florida. This is a Danny Van Tonder. Watch this. This is an eagle. That's straight in. Straight in. And then Wolf, Matthew Wolf, practicing the putt, hits the end of it. But they've changed the rules. That was accidental. It didn't matter. Uh, he ended up uh, three-putting for a bogey. Shot 11 over par and then withdrew from the tournaments. Webb Simpson leads at uh, minus six. Mackenzie Hughes, the only Canadian, he shot one over 73. BC's Emily Bosback has been selected to the Canadian team for the World Figure Skating Championships, which they are planning to hold between March 22nd and March 28th in Stockholm, Sweden. And who knows if they'll be able to do it, but if they do, Bosback will be there. She, of course, was the Canadian champion in 2020. And it's changing coaches week in Montreal. We mentioned the Canadians making a move yesterday. Now today, CF Montreal of Major League Soccer, which is formerly the Montreal Impact, have lost their coach. Thierry Henry quit today as a Montreal boss, saying he didn't want to go through another year coaching during a pandemic and not seeing his children very much. He only coached Montreal for one full season. He was 8-13 and 2. There you go. Great player. Maybe not, maybe not a great coach. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Squire. Let's check in with Andrew and now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And thanks, Sophie. We'll have more tonight on Dr. Bonnie Henry's response to threats that have been made against her. The provincial health officer discussed the impact the actions of anti-maskers have been having, not only on her, but her family and staff. Plus, the woman who spent time in jail for the death of an infant in Cranbrook may have had her charter rights violated in a, in a trial almost a decade ago. Those stories and Connects highlights tonight at 11. Chris, Sophie. All right. Thanks, Anne. All right, when we come back, pilots describe seeing something they weren't expecting to see in the skies over New Mexico. That's next. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
All right, an American Airlines pilot is reporting a strange encounter in the skies. The incident involved a mysterious object flying over the aircraft at 36,000 feet. Global's Charmaine Samani has more on the unexplained flying phenomenon. We just had something go right over the top of us that, I hate to say, this looked like a long cylindrical object. That was the pilot of American Airlines Flight 2292 after witnessing a mysterious object pass right by his aircraft. It almost looked like a cruise missile type of thing moving really fast. The close encounter happened early Sunday afternoon while the American Airlines flight was passing over New Mexico en route to Arizona. Have any targets up here? We just had something go right over the top of us. The radio call was noticed by an airline radio enthusiast who says the call caught his attention because the pilot sounded very excited. On Tuesday, American Airlines validated the call but asked for questions to go to the FBI. The Federal Aviation Administration also acknowledges the pilot reported seeing an object, but says its air traffic controllers did not see any object in the area on their radar scopes. It's not the first time a pilot has spotted unexplained flying phenomena, and while authorities may never be able to explain what this one is, it's definitely an experience this pilot won't forget. We just had something go right over the top of us that... I hate to say this looked like a long cylindrical object. Charmin Samani, Global News. And what else looks like a long cylindrical object? An airplane. An airplane. <laughs> Either airplane. way, scary. Yeah, a little uh, weird. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. The Goodyear blimp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving that quickly. A cigar. Though. Somebody threw a cigar yeah. way up there. Very That's strange. Probably what yeah. it was. Or was it some sort of weather phenomenon, Christy? It could have been. We were getting pretty much anything these days, right? Yeah. Yeah, so here's a breakdown once again of the wind warnings we're expecting. So for the Metro Vancouver region, the strongest winds will be through the morning hours along the coast, so blasting onto those outer coast areas. But I'm expecting strong winds across Metro Vancouver on and off through much of the day and becoming a little bit more widespread even into the afternoon and evening hours. So power outages, definitely a possibility and delays in the ferries, certainly through the morning hours. These are the warnings that are in place. So the outer coast of Vancouver Island up to 100 kilometers an hour, the inner coast up to 90. So that includes Greater Victoria, Southern Gulf Islands, and then those western sections of Metro Vancouver. But for the outer coast and Greater Victoria, I'm expecting your strongest winds to actually happen through the overnight period tonight, and then it will shift to those inner coast regions. So Metro Vancouver, enjoy the sunshine tomorrow. Yes, the skies will clear because of that strong north west flow but it will be blustery and we are expecting some sunshine into saturday morning although late saturday that's when the next system rolls in and we'll likely see periods of rain saturday evening into our sunday so a wet last half to our weekend but at least some sunshine over the next little while which will certainly be nice although uh yeah batten down the hatches tomorrow sounds like it's going to be windy but so good to see that sunshine tomorrow thanks very much christy and thanks everybody for watching have a great night Night all.